jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard Green pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Bissell. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Driver's Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte as we welcome you to a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644 is the number. If you'd like to get involved, you can also text us at 315-288-0644. We have just one guest lined up for you today. It's a good one. Our good friend Mike Waters will join us at 12.30 to talk some Q's basketball. We never really did discuss the schedule being complete, the non-conference schedule that is, uh, being filled out last week, Seth. But we now know all of the opponents, 10 home games, two neutral site games, one true road game uh, on the road at Ohio State as part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So we'll get to... Uh, Mike Waters coming up at 12.30. We'll talk some some basketball here uh, in about uh, 20 minutes or so leading up uh, into Mike. We'll talk some SU football. We'll get to more of my conversation with Dino Babers from yesterday as we get you set for the opener a week from this Friday against Western Michigan. But we open the show with some NFL news. A couple uh, nuggets from yesterday that we did not get to. Josh Allen. Name the starting quarterback for preseason game number three. Generally, if you are named the starting quarterback of preseason game number three, that is an indication that you are in line to be named the starter for week one. Not sure it it necessarily holds true in this case. Nathan Peterman seems to be neck and neck uh, with the rookie, but they're going to give him a chance to see what he can do uh, right off the bat uh, on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, So for Bills fans wondering what the quarterback situation is, A.J. McCarron out, does not have a broken collarbone, um, but he's going to be out for a while, and that leaves Nathan Peterman and Josh Allen to duke it out, and Allen's going to get the the first go-around on Sunday. Yeah, and you know what? The, usually, usually it's a pretty good indication of who will start when you look at week three of the postseason, uh, preseason, right? Usually, that's a pretty good indication of who will make, uh, who will ultimately be the starting quarterback. That's the game the starters play the most. That's considered the dress rehearsal. They play more than a half. That's the game that I think you want your starters in place. So Josh Allen is starting game three. I would put money on Josh Allen starting the opener for the Bills. I, I, like that's 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 what everything I I've learned about preseason football tells me. It's generally the way it goes. I'm not so sure it necessarily applies to this situation because you know Sean McDermott all along has said that he's going to ease the rookie in. They want to see what he could do, so they had him go third in the first preseason game. And then they rotated him into the second spot. A.J. McCarron got the start. Peterman, who was so good as the starter in the first one, he rotated to the third spot. And now that with McCarron out, 
They're going to give Josh Allen a chance to start and and see what he can do, and then Peterman will come in as the backup. I would assume the Bills will sign someone else uh, for mop-up duty in preseason game number three, and then they take up a majority of those snaps in preseason game number four. Yeah, I was going to say, they've got to sign somebody. They've they've got to find some arm, because you don't want anybody who might play to get hurt. right? You don't want, especially in game four, you don't want anybody who might be your quarterback to go out there and get hurt. So you've got to find somebody, and I don't know who that somebody is, but you know whoever your starter is in Week Four is going to play a series or none, right? So so whether it's Josh Allen and Nathan Peterman, and they each take you know three three uh, series, that's it. Then you need somebody for the, the the other three quarters. Eat up the rest of the snaps. You, you say that it's it's usually a good indication if you start preseason game number three that you're going to be named the starter for week one. I'll give you an, an even better indication that you're going to be the week one starter. When your GM comes out and says that he is exceptionally impressed by your play, when your offensive coordinator says that you own the playbook, even though you're a rookie, and when the team gives out indications that they are open to trading the guy that you're competing with with the starting job. That is good confirmation. Yes, and I'm talking, of course, about the New York Jets. It seems like Sam Darnold is a slam dunk to start week one. Now, Todd Bowles has not announced it. He has said all along he's going to wait until after game four in the preseason to announce his week one starter. All signs, at least the front office, is saying it should be Sam Darnold. Ultimately, it comes down to Todd Bowles' decision, but Darnold is in position. I'll even add this. Rick Samini at practice right now says Bridgewater and McCown are working with the scout team offense. Darnold uh, working with the starters, and he's working with the offensive coordinator, Jeremy Bates, right now. My guess is it's not even much of a guess. Uh, All indications are Darnold starting week one. Yes, he's going to start week one. Of course he's going to start week one. It feels like this has been the the want, the desire, the plan from day one with the New York Jets. They want Sam Darnold to start. They think that he can. He's looked good enough in the preseason. He's looked good. He's had his bad moments, but I think overall he's looked pretty good. Uh, maybe not the best quarterback they've got right now. Maybe not the guy who gives them the best chance to win right off the bat. I probably think that would be Teddy Bridgewater based on what he's done and his track record. But you know what? I mentioned this yesterday, Steve. When when you've got that quarterback, if you think he can go from day one, let him take his reps in week one. Let him get that extra six, eight weeks of reps because you want to be ready to hit the ground running in year two. You want to be ready to hit the ground running in year three and take advantage of that of that 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 cost that cost friendly team friendly contract. It's what the Rams are doing right now. It's what the Eagles did. It's what the the Seahawks did when they were at their best. When you don't have to pay the most valuable player on your team all that much money, you can be better. That That's why I tend to say, if you have a rookie quarterback who you think is ready, just start him. Because let him take their lumps, let him, let him get the bad football out, and then be good when you're ready to be good. Well, again, we look back at the numbers. It's a 50-50 proposition. Right. When you, you just throw a guy out there, half the time it works out, half the time it doesn't work out. But again, that that seems to be the odds when you draft a quarterback in the first round, you know, going it's back a, it's a, 20 years. It's a it's a crapshoot. It's a pick them. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a, it's a 50-50 proposition in, in so many ways. I, I don't disagree with you about Teddy Bridgewater being the best quarterback on the roster right now in terms of giving you the best chance to win. You know, so some may say, well, well, why would you, you know, be open to trading him? Because he's the one that you're going to get something back for. You're not going to get anything back 
for Josh no. McCown. He's a veteran if Darnold goes down. This is obviously an indication that Darnold isn't just the starter week one. You're obviously sticking with him for the entire season. Right. And if he were to go down with injury, then McCown is a suitable backup. He's a veteran, obviously knows the offense. He's been there. Uh, you know, He's a true professional. He'll get himself ready to play, and then maybe you can get something of value back for Teddy Bridgewater. So that makes a lot of sense, and it would be great for Bridgewater because he has looked good in the preseason. be great for him to get a fresh start and go somewhere where he can actually play. Yeah, and and look, I think there are places out there where he could, right? I, I mean, is he is he better than Blake Bortles? Is he better than Ryan Tannehill? Is he I, I mean, is he better than Andy Dalton? You know, the the Browns wouldn't take a flyer on. There there are some teams where he would be a better option, but they won't take a flyer like the Browns or the Cardinals or or somebody like that. I don't even think the Giants would, even even though he's probably a better option at this point than Eli Manning. But there are places where he is a better option than what you've got already. You could probably get something for him and Teddy Bridgewater's been around a while, so maybe it seems like he's a little bit older. He's only 25. You know, it's it's not like he's he's old. It's it's not like he's, you know, past his prime. It's not like he can't be the quarterback of a future for some team because he still could. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that there's got to be some interest somewhere, right? The Dolphins, the 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 Jaguars, the Broncos. There's got to be some interest for him. I think he really helped his case and and his his stock and trade value with the way he played in that second preseason game. Yep. He did some really good things. He looked like himself. He did. He he looked like the Teddy Bridgewater of old prior to the injury. And so, I you know, hopefully for him, he lands somewhere else and, and gets an opportunity to play. But it looks like Sam Darnold will be starting Week One for the New York Jets. I do want to pass this along as well i don't know if you happen to watch any preseason football last night i know it's not, not your much. favorite thing um but you know andrew luck uh did some good things you know got out there and and he's he looks like he's going to be okay to start the season i know there's so many question marks about andrew luck and and that shoulder of his and whether he would ever be the same i don't know if he'll ever be the andrew luck of old um but it looks like he's he's throwing the ball with ease and, and you know he got sacked last night said he didn't feel any pain at all so that's certainly good news for colts fans the reason i bring up the game though two su players had a had a big hand in this game. The leading receiver for the Colts, none other than Steve Ishmael. He had 52 yards receiving on a couple of catches, a couple of long catches at that. And the leading tackler for the Colts, none other than Zaire Franklin, had eight solo tackles in this game, uh, assisted on another. He's making a strong case for himself to to be on this team. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm curious to see. I, I, think, I think Zaire has a better shot. Um, and I think we talk about this around the draft. I think Sayer has a better shot, not only because he was picked, uh, but because he does special teams. Right? So he, he can give you something on special teams, whether that's chasing down a punt or chasing down a kickoff. We never saw Steve Ishmael do that, and for good reason. He was the number one receiver uh, basically all four years that he was here. He was number one on the depth chart. So I, I get why he wouldn't have done that here, but I, I think that hurts when you're, what, going to be a fourth receiver or a fifth receiver trying to break camp with a team? Right? Like you gotta give something there. Kick return, punt return, coverage, whatever it might be. And the thing about Steve Ishmael too, again, this isn't a knock on him because he he did some really good things, especially last year in this program. But you know how they say, especially when you're talking about a, a guy going to the NBA, what does he do exceptionally well? What does Steve skill. Ishmael right. do exceptionally well? You know, he's got some size, but he's not exceptionally fast. I mean, he's got good hands, but it again, does he do anything great? Um, so he needs to obviously, you know, stand out, and it's hard to stand out when you're when you're just solid, right? And you're not, you know, uh, 
a four-four, you know, wide receiver. So I think he's going to have a much different, much more difficult time making the team. But Zaire Franklin, you said he, he's versatile. He's he's just a like he's a good he's person a guy, to have. Yeah, he's a good person to have. He's he's just a guy that you want to coach. He's a guy you want in your locker room. And yep. so yeah, I could see a spot for him, whether it's special teams or you know uh, providing some depth to that defense and just kind of doing whatever they need him to do. I mean, that's that's Zaire Franklin. That's what he did at Syracuse for four years. And uh, and I'm sure that's what he's going to do in the pros, and and hopefully he he lands a roster spot there in Indy. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, there there are reasons for us to hope that these guys make the team. It's it's more interesting. It, it's you know it's it, it it could lead to better players coming to the program, which would make the team better, which makes our job more fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all about us. I'm not gonna, I'm I not hope gonna, Zaire Franklin makes it because it helps look, me. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> them being better makes it more fun to do this. Uh, but, you know, like, there, there's reasons for us to root for them. Uh, but also, like, they just spent four years up here. And, like, Zaire Franklin, anytime you you're talking to him, seemed like a good guy. Like, you just hope for the best for him. Um, you know, Steve Ishmael, you know, seemed, seemed like a pretty good guy. Um, I... Look, I, I think there's a spot for Zaire Franklin. I I think there's a spot for Steve Ishmael in the NFL. I don't know what it is, and I don't know if he'll be given that shot to get that spot because of the lack of versatility. I know that I've told you this story before, but just for our listeners who haven't heard it, real quick, with Zaire Franklin, first time I ever talked to him was on this radio show with Chris McManus. It was right after Zaire Franklin committed to come to Syracuse. We had him on. He was a senior in high school, and... We talked to him about why he picked Syracuse, and the first thing out of his mouth was academics. Right. And he said, you know, yeah, the the football, obviously, but um, I, I like their academic programs, and, and that's what turned me on to the school, and I met with the coaching staff, you know, so and he, he went on from there. But you don't hear a lot of stud football recruits no. talking about academics, and it just, again, he had his priorities straight. He's a, he's a good kid, good young man. He's not a kid anymore. Uh, and I just I hope good things for Zaire Franklin. So you can hope he makes the team for you because it helps. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but I, I just I hope things work out uh, for Zaire Franklin. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Going to take a timeout. We're going to talk some Cuse basketball on the other side. Keep it here. Orange Nation just getting started on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth, back with you on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by the Bill Rapp Superstore at the corner of Thompson and Burnett in Syracuse or online at BillRapp.com. We're going to talk some SU basketball with Mike Waters coming up in about 10 minutes from now. And the SU men's basketball team... Uh, filling out its non-conference schedule late last week uh, with the addition of Arkansas State. So it, it is now complete. We know who, we know uh, where, and we know when those games will be played. That's not the case necessarily with the ACC games. We do know who and where. We don't know the when yet. Should know the when, uh, I would think, in the next couple of weeks. It's usually at the end of August, early September, the ACC releases uh, the schedule from That's start to finish. like a Labor Day weekend thing, right? It is, usually right around then. We're usually at the fair. Um when it's it's announced and Look so forward to talking about that next week yeah we should have that i would expect uh sometime next week but in any event we know the non-conference schedule and i i, I did want to spend a, a few minutes here talking about it and then we'll get we'll get mike's thoughts as well 10 home games two neutral site games at new york state and again the naysayers are going to say they only leave new york state once that one time is the trip to ohio columbus right. ohio to take on ohio state as part of the acc big 10 challenge um but 
I think it's a nice mix. You've got a nice mix of mid-majors, some marquee games in there with, with UConn and Georgetown and whoever they play that second night down at the Garden in Ohio State. And you've got you know the Bonaventures and Buffaloes back on the schedule. And then you got some games that you should win and you should be able to work on some things like Arkansas State, you know, Cornell, so on and so forth. I, I think it's a good good mix. Yeah, I mean, I think it's solid. You know, you, you look at what the schedule is, and, and Ohio State's going to be a quadrant one game, right? Because it that's as long as they aren't in the top, as long as they're in the top 75, that'll be a quadrant one because it's on the road. Uh, you know, Oregon, if, if Oregon beats Iowa as they should, and, and if Syracuse beats UConn as you would think they should, you know, Oregon will be a, probably a quadrant one game because uh, they just have to stay in the top 50. You know, Buffalo and Bonaventure are on that, that fringe one, two. Um, you know, UConn might be a quadrant two, considering it's at a neutral site. So I think overall they did a pretty good job. It might not have the name recognition. It might not have the brand name kind of quality to it. Uh, but I think overall it's a pretty solid schedule, right? It's it's not it's not a non-conference schedule that is going to keep you out of a tournament by any means if you're on a bubble. It's not necessarily a schedule that's going to knock you down a seed line. If you're, you know, looking at that kind of a thing, if if we're past, uh, if we're past bubble watching with this year's team, oh it's, god, it's I a hope schedule, we are. It's a schedule that it, that is kind of there, right? And and it'll it'll help it. It might help you if we if you win some of the games, but it's it's probably not going to hurt you unless you lose some of the bad games on this. It isn't about name recognition. You're right. It's about where you are uh, in the RPI, and you know you just got to go back to you know look no further than what happened last year. The the game that got them in, the win that got them in at the end of the day was Buffalo, right? right? Buffalo moving up to a quadrant one win. Uh, the way that the Bulls were able to finish out the season, their RPI climbed. It, it got into that top thirty five range, and that. I believe, I think we all can agree, that got Syracuse in the NCAA tournament. It was it was a razor-thin margin. They were the last team, uh, last at-large team included in the field, uh, and that was why. They, they got the Buffalo win. So. See, don't you find that funny, though? Because, and not to relitigate this, but if they hadn't gone to this quadrant thing and just went top 50, 50 to 100, 100 to 150, then Buffalo's like safely a top 50 win and you're not worrying about it. Well, I think Syracuse has been worrying about it either way because they they got it as a quadrant one win and they were still the last team to get in. Right. So I think no, they were, I, they were squarely on funny, the bubble. But I just think it's funny how we yes. look at it. It's like, oh, that win got them in, but like it wouldn't have been any different had they not changed the understood metric, understood whatever dividing. Do you like the change? I would have rather them not use the RPI anymore and yeah. still done it by fifties. Fair point. I, I do like I would like have rather them use Ken Palm and BPI and anything else and and keep it as one to fifty, fifty to a hundred. I do like the fact that not all wins are the same. Like yeah. if you beat, um, you know, a, a pretty good team on the road, that's considered a, a good win because it's hard to win on the road. Whereas you know, obviously, if you're just booking home games and you beat everybody at home. Um, you know, go back to two years ago when Syracuse was so good at home, but not not, not so much on the road. Right. Like I, I like the fact that you you get more credit for winning games in tough environments or in neutral site games, or you know, so on and so forth. Um, so I like that change. I'm with you though. I could I could do without the RPI. It is a flawed system. I, yeah. I'm not sure there's a a perfect system out there, but there's got to be something a little better than the RPI. I think anything's better than yeah. the RPI. Have Joel Lenardi just? I'm kidding. I was gonna say, have him just pick it every year. No committee. Just, just, just let he him. He does do his it. one bracket, and that's it. Just let him do it.
Um, you brought up the bubble talk. Man, we better not be talking about I know. the bubble I know. this year. With this team bringing back, what is it, 94% of its minutes, 95% of its points from Something last year. Like um, you know, bringing in Jalen Carey. Oh, by the way, you, by the way, you, yes, saw, you yes. saw something on Jalen yes. Carey before the show. I'll bring this up. Uh, Andy Katz tweeted out uh, a podcast from today with Jim Beheim. Uh, Andy tweets it saying, uh, on the orange NCAA run last season and the optimism for the upcoming year. Uh, one of the writers over at Newton's Magician quoted it with a, a quote saying, Jalen Carey is one of the better offensive point guards that we've recruited in the last probably 20 years. So... There you go. That's high praise. Good to see we've backed away from heaping praise on teams and players before we've seen them. Like two years ago, yes. one of the most talented teams that Syracuse has had. I seem to remember somebody saying they weren't going to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it is high praise. And everything we're hearing, I mean, this kid is is legitimately very good. And I, I think you got to be excited about the newcomers. And I, I throw Elijah Hughes in that group of newcomers. I know he's been in the program, couldn't play last year, but he practiced with the team. And I think there's a lot of excitement around him and Jalen Carey and, you know, intrigue with Buddy Beheim and, and what he'll be able be. to do. Yeah, Right. I think, and, and again, going back to the draft, we talked about this with the NBA and the NFL draft. There's something fun about the unknown, right? Like there's something there's something endless about that guy who you haven't seen yet, or at least you haven't seen at this level yet. Um, that's why draft picks are more valuable before you make the pick, because you, that can be anything. That can that can be just endless untapped potential, and I think that's what you have with Syracuse this year, right? You know a lot of it. You know five guys. You know six guys. Uh, you're hoping that maybe injuries hindered a couple last year, and they'll be even better than they were. But you also don't know a lot. You don't know Jalen Carey. You don't know Elijah Hughes. You don't know Buddy Beheim. And like that means that they could be anything, right? They that they are not limited to what you've seen. SU fans would be excited anyway with five starters coming back, and you know the first guy off the bench coming back. You know your first big guy. Uh, theoretically, you know they're healthy now, and they're a year older and a year better. And the way they closed out the season last year, there would be high expectations anyway, even if no one was coming in. Right. But you you add, you know, you take the five starters coming back with all that experience and the way they finished the season and that momentum, and then you add to it. You know, a stud recruit in Jalen Carey, a transfer who is going to make an impact. At least you think he's going to make an impact right away in Elijah Hughes. You hope that he does. I don't want to call him a project, but you know, Robert Braswell, who again, he's he's athletic. There's there's some some unknowns there, certainly with him and Buddy Beheim and, and and how well he can shoot the ball. You add all those into a team that already was going to be better and already was going to be a team that you would think would would take a step up in ACC play from where it finished last year. I mean, expectations, I think rightfully so, are very high going into this upcoming season. And so with that, we'll take a break. When we return, we'll bring out Mike Waters, our good friend from Syracuse.com and the Post Standard. We'll continue the basketball talk after this. You're listening to Orange Nation on ESPN Radio. Jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungy leaps and into the end zone for Dungy. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard, soaring through the air, high-flying Slovakian. Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. 
Bruins. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg with you up until 2 o'clock. We are brought to you in part by Charles Heating and Air. As we switch gears from the basketball talk and open up hour number two, talking some SU football. As we mentioned on the show yesterday, I did sit down with Dino Babers uh, for about 15 minutes yesterday morning over at the SU Football Complex. We'll get to uh, a few more of his comments coming up here uh, in a little bit. But we kick off with something he was asked today, Seth, and and something he discussed today, and that was the quarterback position. Yeah, uh, he... uh... He knows his starting quarterback. He won't tell us his starting quarterback. And, and I know that we both think it'll be Eric Dungy. We both expect it to be Eric Dungy. Uh, but it's it's a question, right? And it, and it's asked because we know that Eric Dungy and Tommy DeVito are, are both taking reps and both splitting reps with uh, the number one team. Uh, so, Dino, uh, these come from Matt Park and, and Stephen Bailey, but... Uh, Dino asked whether he's ID'd his starting quarterback. Quote, I have. He declined to specify. Quote, I'm looking forward to seeing both of them play. Um, asked if they would both play week one. Depends on the score. So we don't know anything. He's being very coy with it. I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, if... The starting quarterback is anyone other than Eric Dungy next Friday night at Western Michigan. Then Dino Babers is the best poker player of all time. There's no chance. Yeah. Is no, I mean, right. well, I guess there's a chance because he's you know he's not naming the starter publicly, and on the depth chart, it, they're they're split on the depth chart as well. I mean, they're they're both on the two deep, obviously. Um, Eric Dungy's the starter. No, I think so. Yes, I do. He's the the four year senior. He's the guy that has started basically from day one of the regular season, his first year. Uh, he's been in your program now two plus years, going on three years. Yeah, he to me that's the starter. To me that's the easy starter. But obviously, Devito is showing enough that he's pushing for that job. Can I, can I just say, like, is this one of those things where? They keep it under wraps so that the opponent has to prepare for both quarterbacks like when, like and waste time Scott in Schaefer practice. Like when was deciding between Drew Allen and Terrell Hunt and didn't want to tell anybody because yeah. that could give Penn State an advantage? Kind of something like that. Except Isn't, these guys are both better. Couldn't this be what that is? I guess. I and guess. It, and again, Tim Lester's the head coach of Western Michigan. He knows all about Eric Dungey. He recruited, right, he recruited Tim Dungey. He recruited Tim Dungey. He recruited Eric Dungey. Um, I don't. I just don't see anyone other than Eric Dungy starting the, this opener against Western Michigan. I don't either. I don't either. That's why, like, I thought it was interesting when I was over there and then saw the the question and and kind of sort of response. So to why it. why is this a question? Simply because because, because they're, he has they're yet practicing. to name a starter. But, no, because but they're, they're they're they're. they're 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 splitting reps differently. Like it it seems like Devito is doing more than the backup quarterback has the last couple of years. But does that mean that? Of course, it means something. Uh, of course, it means something. 
I mean, you know what Dungey could do? It's his fourth year in the program. It's his third year with Dino Babers. You want to get DeVito ready? No, I think it means more than that. I don't. I do. I think it means more than that. I think it you means think that... this is a legit competition. Like you no, think? No, then... I don't think it's a legitimate competition. Then why? But I think then that what's it means the other reason? Because he's got legitimate talent, and it could right. turn into that. I... He's the quarterback right? could, of the future. You want to get him ready? Into... That's what I just said. I think it. I think that they. I, I get the feeling that it could be more than just that. Like it, then it's, it's not, a competition no, then. But it's not right this second, but it could be. Right? Uh, like it's it's not a competition quite yet, but DeVito has obviously shown enough that he is putting himself to in a position that there could be a competition a couple weeks in, right? If he if he keeps doing well, if he if he shows up in the Wagner game and plays well, if he shows up at the end of the Western Michigan game and plays really well, you're telling me you don't think that there's some kind of competition that buds at some point this year? You know how I feel on this. You think no. I think aside from injury or aside from Syracuse can't make a bowl game You know, towards the end of the season, I don't think they're switching quarterbacks. I don't think it's going to come down to poor performance. When Dungy's been on the field, it like, might not come his, down to poor performance. His, what, if, what if the other guy? What if you're playing really well, but the other guy is just better in practice? In practice, in game reps, he gets. So that's what I'm saying. Is there a competition? I mean, I guess there is. Okay, I I don't think it is. I don't think it's. This is a you know a heated down to the wire competition, and I, I just I don't I don't see it like that. I think they're trying to get him. ready. I mean, I don't think he's going to be starting week one. I don't think he's going to be starting week four. I don't. I I don't think he's going to be starting, but I. I think that this is more of a competition than okay. any other time recently. This is the biggest quarterback battle since Drew Allen and Terrell Hunt. <laughs> this is the biggest quarterback the battle infamous, since that. Yes. The infamous QB battle between I have no, I have no doubt Drew in Allen saying and that. Terrell Hunt. I have no doubt in saying that. Uh, let's get to uh, Dino Baber's comment. Uh, I asked him about Dungy yesterday and his experience and, and so on and so forth. And, and here's, uh, here's Dino Baber's yesterday on Eric Dungy. I think, first of all, he's only played 16 games for us. So that's about a year and a half, really, or a year and a third. But I think the biggest, the biggest difference is going to be he has been with me three years. And I think that the relationship that we have and the almost husband-wife type communication where we can look at each other and not say words, but we know what each other wants and we know what each other needs. I think that's the big thing that's going on right now. And I think that with his leadership can be, uh, can pay huge dividends for us this year. Seth, he is, he is not going to elect to sit that. I don't think so. On the bench week one, the husband wife related. I look at him. He knows what I'm thinking. Maybe he wants a divorce. No, <laughs> he's starting week one. Like I, <laughs> I agree. He's starting week one. I, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I and, don't. And if I'm wrong, then like I said, Dino Babers is the best poker player of all time. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think Eric Dungey is the starter of week one. I think Eric Dungey is the starter as long as he's healthy. Uh, that doesn't mean that Tommy DeVito isn't pushing him more than anybody else has since he's been here. I'm not denying that. That is obviously true. And and DeVito's the quarterback of the future. But this is Eric Dungy's team, and I just I would be beyond shocked if that is a thing. I would be beyond shocked if Eric Dungy doesn't start the opener against Western Michigan. Let's get a quick phone call in here, 315-437-7644. Sorry to keep you waiting, Pat. Uh, we were talking some football, though. Uh, Pat in Syracuse joins us. What's up? Yeah, no worries. It's, it's nice to see, you know, you got the New York State Fair coming up, and you know it's football season with uh, fantasy, and you got SU football, and in the NFL, but you know, 
the big monkey in the room is always the big elephant in the room is always SU you basket. So I figured since you had waters on, I'd give I'd give a quick uh, quick call. So real quick, Braswell, from what I'm hearing from people who have seen him play in the summer, competing with Bayheim's Army and 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 the likes, and just people around campus, former alums, they cannot believe how good this guy really is. Like he's paper thin, but maybe the best shooter on the team, and that's saying quite a lot with Buddy Bayheim. And these sources that I have are people who are usually negative. So these are not just people that everybody is, you know, the best player in 20 years. That, that This is not the case. Braswell will not redshirt. You can write that down and stick it in your desk, and then come, uh, come October, we'll, we'll pull it back out. And then it is interesting. I thought the same thing you guys were saying with uh, Merrick or Hughes and who would be better. I don't think it matters who starts. But if, if Hughes is as good as advertised, and, and he better be, because if Beheim hasn't learned his lesson, and, and, and you know, with, with all this hype, then shame on him. I, he is that good. And I thought it was funny and comical that everybody thought if Battle didn't come back that this was an NIT team. No, no, it, no it wasn't then, and, and it certainly is. It is a top-10 team now, and the reason I say that is because all the weaknesses were addressed. And we were competitive in a lot of games last year that – it's, it's amazing. I mean, remember there was one game, guys, we talked, we had one healthy player. I mean, literally everybody was on the injury report. So, obviously, that's why we were soft 500 in the ACC. Even if we didn't have any additions, I think this would have been a top 15 team. I think uh, people are going to sleep on Sidibe. And I think Seth might be right. I think if Sidibe is as good as I think he could be, if if Chuku doesn't improve offensively, uh, Chuku might start, but Sidibe is going to get more minutes. So, I couldn't be more excited. It's a great time of year. You got the fair, you got football, and it's always great to talk hoops with you guys. Uh, we'll touch base soon. All right, appreciate checking in uh, as always, Pat. Yeah, I mean there is so much excitement for so many reasons. Right. Like you know, and and Pat said that they would have been ranked even without battle. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but with battle coming back. It it just it feels like this could be a special season for Syracuse basketball because all all the pieces are there. You know, exactly. I mean you you want to have that. You know that alpha dog that just go. You know that that guy who just goes out and he's your leader. He's your go-to guy. You've got that. I mean, you 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 could have it in O'Shea Brissett as well, but you've got one and one A with those guys. You've got a a point guard back and Frank Howard. You have all these new pieces to the puzzle. If the centers are healthy, like that, you know, there's that piece to the puzzle. Uh, the defense is there. There is. There's so much to be excited about with this team. There. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot to be excited about. We we saw them. Uh, last year and and the ability to get five guys and, and really six guys back who played legitimate minutes uh, to be able to get them back and, and see what the next step for them is going to be I think that's the exciting part I, I know that there are the additions I know that there's that untapped potential that I talked about so much before but seeing players grow is kind of fun and, and seeing what a guy does coming back year one to year two year two to year three I mean I Watching Frank Howard last year was was fun, right? I, I mean, seeing that step he took, and he clearly took a step forward. That that was a a, a, a fun thing to watch. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four is the number. If you'd like to get involved, we got to take a timeout. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.